You're listening to The Robin Tristan Show. Today's episode is brought to you by RefBox. RefBox, keeping your kids in bounds. Hey, Rob here. Good to have you guys back. Tristan and I are here getting ready to drop one that's more about Tristan. This time we're going to go into Tristan's wheelhouse. Tristan is, uh, as you may or may not know, possibly the greatest, most awesome, uh, You're making most, me blush over here, most highly accomplished IT person who has ever walked the face of God's green earth. And so I feel like we should ask him some questions. And it just so happens, I like lists that happen to list things. And so based upon that, I went hunting and I found one called the 30 skills that every IT person should have. And now I, I know for a fact that Tristan is really, really good. So I think that the best way for him to introduce a little more of his expertise while at the same time, hopefully not making this a very dry conversation is for me to just ask him if he agrees or disagrees with the 30 points on this list. So hopefully this will be mostly entertaining. So the first and foremost one, and it makes a lot of sense when you hear it, if you're going to be an IT person uh, in IT, for those who don't know is information technologist. And that just refers to someone who is, computer oriented is that a fair way to define that any profession that surrounds technology or specifically information technology and the deliverance or usability of that so somebody that you would seek help with fixing your phone or your computers or your business needs or something like that great do you agree or disagree i guess or however you choose to answer these should you be able to fix a pc's basic issues so if you want to call yourself an IT professional, then probably your first step would be to understand how basic computers work and how to be able to fix them. So yeah, that, that certainly seems obvious. Um, uh, hopefully the, uh, the other points that you found online are a little bit uh, more specific. But yes, if you want to be an IT professional, you should understand the basics of computer. So with that being said, I did recently have somebody apply to one of my companies as a technician and says that they have an interest in technology and, and so on and so on, yet could not tell me the basics of their own computer. I mean, hands down, he came to the table saying I'm green and that I'm interested in technology, but to not take that initiative to learn a little bit about computers before coming to a tech interview didn't really do him any favors. Wow, that really happened? I didn't actually expect you to have an example. Uh, just number last one. week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> I thought we were just going to blow right by that one. Okay, number two. You should be able to work a help desk. So, and, and just for people who don't know what that's referring to, the IT person should be able to field calls from people who are in need of troubleshooting on their computer. So something's not working. Um, do you agree with that one? Yeah, I mean, help desk is interesting. That's an IT term for basically customer service. You need to be able to answer a phone call or an email when somebody seeks your help. And it doesn't just it's not just an acknowledgement or something along those lines, but you need to be able to listen to them and understand what exactly the issue is and, and, and work through that. But at the same time, project confidence that the person that they called is in fact capable of solving their problem. Uh, not projecting that confidence does cause issues with working help desks. And there's a few other parts of that. But essentially, help desk is a tech term for customer service. You need to have good customer service skills. Okay. Uh, okay, so the next one needs a little context before I answer it. As it relates to companies or conferences and so on, it says that the number three, the thing you must know how to do is to do public speaking. So do you feel that's true? Yeah, I would disagree with that. I mean, even in my own experience, there's techs that I know that have done 
public speaking and they've done presentations and and others that uh, would just crumble doing that. So I would disagree that in order for you to enter the IT world that you have to have that skill of public speaking or be at least confident enough to do that. I don't know. I can see some pros and cons, but it, let's put it this way. If someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking about breaking into IT and the thought of them getting on stage or even in a boardroom and stepping up and talking to somebody just makes them shy away from the industry, I would caution them and say that's not at all a very big percentage of the job and still try to pursue it. And from my own experience dealing with IT departments, I would say that there's usually one outgoing, outspoken individual usually someone who looks like he enjoys his food and then seven or eight other guys who are kind of pale and are just quietly sitting at their computers and seem to rely on him to talk. So it's kind of like the IT version of Penn and Teller. Would you say that's kind of accurate? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own, their own way of interacting with people and information technology is very, very broad. Like it's a, the the thing that's coming to my mind as a comparison would say I work in the medical profession. Well, what does that mean? Is it pharmaceuticals? Is it hospitals? Is it general practitioners? I mean, like it's it's such a broad topic. So uh, public speaking, in some instances, yeah, would be very important. But as a broad stroke, that you would need that skill, I, I don't think that would be required. Now I know that you you yourself do many many things, but. Would you narrow yourself down as a specialist? Like, is there an area where you happen to be strongest? I would introduce myself as Tristan Bolton and a network engineer and virtualization specialist. I have two very, very strong skill sets, one in networking and one in virtualization. And those two kind of go hand in hand and and also have their own worlds. That's not to say that if someone brought me a PC tomorrow that I wouldn't know how to fix it. I can fix those. But uh, those two are my very strongest, most polished skills that uh, that essentially I get hired for. Now, my knowledge is limited to some extent. But I'm pretty sure that both of those are what we'd call like the next level, like far past the help desk. Would you agree with that? Those are very specialized skills, very in demand, very difficult to acquire, requires a lot of experience and a lot of training and a special kind of route to get there. Typically, everyone has different routes, but there's not much above that, I guess I should say. Like to call myself an expert in those, I don't like to toot my own horn, but like to call myself an expert in those two fields, that's it. There's no more above expert, if you will. And to give you an idea, I've worked for a number of Fortune 100 companies, either on contract or as employee, and also federal accounts. But one of the largest companies in the world I have a contract with, and I'm one of three engineers that support their infrastructure worldwide. And there's probably close to about a thousand technicians that work below that level. And there's only three of us at my level. So um, if an issue were to escalate to my desk, it's got to go through a lot of people before it gets there. Just going to give you an idea of very specialized skill set. Okay. All right. Moving on in the list. Number four, you should be able to train someone. I would actually turn that around a little bit. And I would say whenever in my organization, we hire somebody and, and this is kind of borrowed from some other company cultures. It is very important that they know how to learn, right? So Going to the example I said earlier about a candidate that uh, had applied for us and he had said, well, I actually don't really know much about my own computer and stuff when we were trying to probe how his technical skill set, how strong it actually was. I don't really care so much 
what you do and don't know when you come to the table. I care that you know how to learn. I don't think it's any surprise to people that information technology is a very fast-paced industry. What I know today may not apply tomorrow, and I need to learn how to adapt. I need to know what the new bugs are and the new problems that are going to get hit, and I need to know how to troubleshoot that, and a big part of troubleshooting that is I need to know how to learn. And so, yes, we do work with a culture of going to your peers and seeking help, and those peers are, are to help support you, and, and as as a team, we get through problems. And so there's a training component there. But for me, I stress so much more that you have to be able to learn. I don't care that you have the answer. I care that you know how to find the answer. Uh, number five is you should listen more than you speak. I'm not really sure what to think of that, if it's more of just a general life skill or, or, or unique to the profession. Going back to the help desk, people are calling you in distress. People are often intimidated by technology. They're frustrated by it. They don't understand it. There's, there's a whole lot of emotions that come into play when you're a support person, and that's a very specific branch of information technology. But if you are in the support role, there is a, there's a whole other component there. And sometimes just letting people vent or really listen to what they're trying to say can really go long distance, I guess, with whoever it is you're trying to support. Um, I don't know, listen more than you speak. I would definitely think that's a beneficial skill. So does that mean you agree? Yes, so you can put me down as an agreement for that one. Okay, there you go. So put a check in that box. That's good. Number six, you should know basic networking. So you're asking a network engineer this, and um, <laughs> the reason why I think that's comical is because Especially in very large organizations, there are teams. There is storage teams and network teams and virtualization teams and, and all kinds of teams. And one of the gaps that I felt I bridged most was networking. Networking, in my experience, typically is a team that's at arm's length from everybody else that nobody really understands. So yes, I would agree that everyone should know basic networking. And for the non-technicals that are listening, what we mean by networking is essentially any computer that would talk to another computer. Any form of interaction is a network. The internet is one big network. Your home router and Wi-Fi and all of that stuff, or your Wi-Fi password and having uh, the ability to stream to, say, Playstations or whatever, that's all a form of networks. But there are multiple, multiple components in networking, um, and to understand the basics of it is important if you ever want to be an information technology person, and you're likely going to hit some kind of problem in that where one computer is not talking to another for some reason, and understanding basic networking is essential. I'm fairly proficient at Facebook. Does that make me a basic networker? So Facebook is social networking, <laughs> as you know, thanks for the, but uh, no, I mean, that makes you very proficient at social networking, but you going onto your computer and saying, go to facebook.com on a technical level, you are telling your computer to go network or interface with Facebook servers and have Facebook servers communicate with you. And that, that form of communication is networking. And there are network engineers that support that firewalls, VPNs, and all these terms that I'm sure people have heard are all forms of networking. Okay. Number seven. Um, so it says you should know basic system administration, and it qualifies that by pointing out that it's talking about things like file permissions, access levels, why machines talk to domain controllers, and et cetera. So uh, how do you feel about that one? A big part of information technology is controlling information to conform to whatever 
the business or personal needs are. So yes, you do need to know how to manage systems. You do need to know how to enforce security policies. Uh, there are other parts of management, such as bug fixes and stuff like that. But a big part of management is making sure the security settings comply with whatever the business needs are. So uh, yeah, definitely need to understand uh, system management. There you go. Big agreement on that one. I actually have no idea what this is saying. Um, so I'll just say it and then you can define it for me. So it says you should know how to take a network trace. So uh, what, what does that even mean? First off, I'm going to say I disagree. I don't think that everybody in information technology should know how to do a network trace. With that being said, I'm a network expert and it would make my life a lot easier if everyone did know how to do a network <laughs> trace. So um, I fully believe that there are some great IT people out there and I've, I'm sure I've even met them that don't know how to do a network trace um, and that doesn't make them bad at their job. But what it is, in a very, very like quick explanation, is when one computer talks to another computer, there are packets that transfer between those, right? And if there's a cable from computer A to computer B, a network trace is like splicing into that cable and examining all the packets and getting a copy of that data. So that's all a network trace is, is that basically is somewhere along the stream of point A to point B, you are getting a copy of all the data that's going across the wire and examining that in a tool. The best way to kind of understand networking that I've used is just like the post office. You drop an envelope in the mailbox and then the, the post office takes it to its destination. And when I say packets, what I mean is that uh, maybe I've got a thousand page document to mail to Rob. And so every 10 pages I put into an envelope and I send it in another envelope. And so I would have a lot of envelopes that I would drop in the mail. And that's basically what a network trace would do is it would get a copy of all those envelopes and their contents and present that in a tool that um, you could examine with. All right, number nine, you should know the difference between latency and bandwidth. So it's another network one. First off, I uh, would disagree, I think, with that one. Again, not all problems are related to networking. As a network engineer, it would be great if people knew that through and through across industry, but I don't think that it's a necessity. I'd like to jump in for a moment and say that I actually do know that one. You do know what? Gamers definitely <laughs> will understand latency because they see that and they understand that uh, low latency is good. You know, I have to deal with a lot of managers that are not technical and I have to deal with a lot of customers that are not technical. So I have lots of analogies for explaining things. Biggest difference between bandwidth and latency is I just picture like a pipe, like a water pipe. Bandwidth is either a one inch pipe or a two inch pipe in terms of its diameter. Put in technical terms, it's either 10 megs of download versus 20 megs of download. That's your bandwidth. And latency is essentially how fast the water goes down that pipe. So I can have a one inch pipe, but if the water flows through it very, very slowly, then I'm going to have high latency. If I have a two inch pipe, then I can put more water down it. But again, if it's going slow, then I'm going to have high latency. If I have a one inch pipe and the water's going fast, that's very low latency. Just kind of the easiest analogy I can find to explain that. So what you ultimately want is you want to have a big pipe with lots of water rolling through it. At, at a very pressure. fast rate. Yep. Got exactly. it. Okay, number 10, script. It's just a one-word question. Uh, it qualifies by saying that you should be able to put together a basic script, not like a programmer, uh, because a real programmer would look for error messages or, or abnormal behavior, but that you should be able to write some sort of small script that helps you achieve tasks. Would you agree with that? So, a bit of uh, self-confession. I have not been a very good scripter up until about a year or two ago. I've hands down scripting is different than programming, and I am not a programmer. That's just not my forte. It's um, apples and oranges, say, from networking and virtualization that I do do. When it comes to 
scripting, it has been a skill that out of necessity I've had to learn, and I have had to solve problems as a result of scripting. That is to say, I have been very successful for five, six, seven years without really knowing scripting skills. Sometimes it hurt me, but you know, I'd get it gets a friend to help me or whatever it was. So, anyways, I guess I would disagree with it, but I would say it's a nice to have when the job calls for it. I, I'm shocked that we just got this exclusive from you. <laughs> How about Don't that? tell my customers. Es- yeah, especially, but. I've seen you like program a computer to dance, move a hat, and sing "Hello, My Baby." And uh, so I'm shocked to hear that there's something you can't do yeah. or couldn't do with a computer. So but. I'm definitely not a software developer. I mean, I can make my way through it, but I would hire software developers, but I don't program myself. And when it comes to scripting, I kind of dove into it and I did it very reluctantly. It was not my favorite thing to do and still isn't. Number 11. Actually, I'm going to put number 12 in at the same time because I think the article has done this for humor and drive at home purposes. But number 11 is backup. And number 12 is test backups. I see those as being the same thing and sort of tongue in cheek trying to impose a sense of importance. Uh, Unless I'm wrong about that. Okay, so you should, as an IT professional, understand the nature of backups. It is an art as far as I'm concerned on its own, especially when you get to much larger organizations. There are often teams that are just like, this is just the backup team. And all they do day in and day out is ensure backups. It is information technology. Data is what we do and what we manage and deliver in, in the ways that we need to deliver it and uh, making sure that that data does not disappear, as I'm sure almost everyone's experienced in some capacity, a hard drive failed or whatever, you lost photos, something. Backups are very important. So yes, as an IT professional, you should know different forms of backups, the risks to them. So, okay, I'm going to hook up a USB drive to the computer for the home computer so that I can back up the files, say pictures, off the computer to the USB drive. That's great. But what happens if there's a fire in the house? Well, now you've lost both the backup and the original. Sometimes that might be okay. Sometimes that might not be okay. So maybe you need to use a cloud backup or something. There's all kinds of pros and cons to different backup solutions. So I agree with that. I'm going to build off the test backups And I'm actually going to say test everything. And just today, actually, I had one of my staff members who's not technical, she's an admin staff member, come into my office and said, you know, something's not working with my computer, my mouse doesn't work. So I just kind of said, you know, let one of the guys know. But I said, well, what about, you know, did you look at this or did you look at that? And one of the things I said is, did you check to see if the cable just got knocked out or whatever? And her reply was, well, I, I pulled on the cable and it didn't come out, like it didn't come all the way out from under the desk. And I said, kind of jokingly, I said, that's not troubleshooting. I said, if one of my techs had come to me and said, I checked the cable by yanking on it and it didn't come through, that's not troubleshooting. (laughs) Did you actually follow the cable all the way to the end and make sure it's plugged into the port? And it might sound simple. It might sound even tedious. But I can tell you, applying that mentality of making sure you've seen it with your own eyes and you dot your eyes and cross your T's and like just test it 100% will prevent you from going down rabbit holes uh, when it comes to troubleshooting. And I've seen it done lots of times. I've seen huge teams do it, you know, million dollar kind of conference calls and everyone goes down a rabbit hole because somebody built it off an assumption. So when they say test backups, same idea. I mean, data is needs to be integral and some backup solutions, to be perfectly honest, they were flawed to the point where you could not restore it. Everything looks fine. You can back up your data. And then when you need your data to come back and you try to restore, there's a bug in the software or this doesn't work or whatever. And so same idea. You need to know how to test your backups. But I'm going to take that a little bit further and you need to test everything. So, Okay. Um, For the next one, number 13, it says document. Um, And it qualifies it actually by saying 
not only do you document what you do, but that you put it in a location where everybody else can find it. So I assume they mean that that has something to do with how you set up something and making sure that if you don't pass the bus test, somebody else has the ability to come in and, and pick up where you left off. For those that don't know, it's what happens if a key employee that has essential information gets hit by a bus tomorrow, how does the company move on, right? Specifically when it comes to making sure that the the knowledge that would be lost to that employee, whether they left the company or was incapacitated by an accident or whatever it is, um, that the company has the data and information it needs to be able to go for it. This could be passwords, it could be procedures, it could be anything. And it's not necessarily exclusive to information technology, but... You know, I've had customers come to me, new customers, and say, we're going to fire our IT team, and we need you guys to pick it up. And depending on when they called us, if it was before or after they fired them, but if it's before, we'll tell them, make sure you have the passwords and this and that, whatever. If they call us after they fired them, often that documentation walked out the door with that person. And then now we have an uphill battle of resetting passwords or hacking things or whatever to try to get that back. So it's is this kind of the rule that because you're doing this for a living, you should, because it's right, document everything, even if it might mean later down the road after a termination, they still might be able to not miss you. (laughs) So, okay. So you mentioned the bus test and I mentioned terminations. Those are two scenarios where documentation is important, but you know, as an IT professional, you might think, oh, well, if they're going to fire me, I don't really care if I walk out with the data. That's not my problem. I will say I strongly, like very strongly agree with the documentation term, not because of the termination and bus test, though those are important as a, um, as a, as a business owner. When I talked about the culture in our company, there's one culture of being able to learn and another one that all staff, admin and tech that we drill into everybody is documentation. Everything has to be documented. And so, for instance, one of the rules that we have is if you have to go seek somebody else, you know, I got to go to Rob and ask, hey, Rob, how do you do this? That question in and of itself will prompt one of us when at the end of that discussion to say, who's going to put that into our documentation system? We really, really build on that. And we have been able to grow as a small business because of that documentation. We've been able to hire staff faster and say, oh, well, if you want to know how to do this, it's already in, say, the wiki or in this document. I don't have to now train you. Because when you're growing and when you're dealing with new staff, you're typically under pressure already and your staff don't have spare cycles to handle that. So I think documentation is very important pretty much for any industry, especially for information technology. I have seen, I would say most companies do not do a good job at documentation and they spend a lot of money fixing that later. So I can't stress that enough. Document. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very important. All right. So the next one, it's a little odd. I've never heard of it myself. Uh, it says that you should have read The Cuckoo's Egg. Now, for the record, I don't know why that's considered a skill, aside from having read a book, but um, it states that it's the best security book there is, and not because it's so technical, but because it isn't. Um, is this a book that you've read? So I have not read or heard of The Cuckoo's Egg, but let's put it this way. I think everyone in information technology, and this is one that I would say applies to everyone, needs to understand the threats that happen in information technology and needs to be aware of it. I think that you know a few hours a week, everyone should be spending on security at a minimum. Again, there are security teams that like all they do in and out is security, but it's everyone's job to understand cybersecurity and the threats to the organization or even your home and protect against that. Before we go any further, I'm just watching the time. We probably have time for a couple more questions. 
we've been oh we've been rolling so uh, slow that we're not going to get through it. So let me just skip through. We'll call it a lightning round. How's sure, that? sounds good. Then we'll jump number sixteen. You should be able to run cable. I will say that I disagree with that. Well, those are great skills to have. Not everybody needs them, but I've run cable, and it, sometimes it's fun to just to physically run it. But you don't need it. Let's see. Just reading through quick. You should never be afraid to debate something when you know it's wrong. So especially in information technology, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's people that are decision makers or decision influencers that actually don't have a good grasp of technology. If you feel your solution is better for whatever reason, security or otherwise, you should absolutely be able to advocate for that. And whoever you're working with on the team should be receptive to that and as a team should be able to work through that and taking concerns and stuff like that. It doesn't always mean you're going to win or that it is, in fact, your idea is the right way, but you should be able to step up, say it, and as a team, embrace that and, and research it. Uh, definitely need to, to do that. Okay. There's no such thing as a dumb question, so ask it, quote, once. Yeah, if you think that you have a question but you think it might be stupid, but especially in IT, there's so many things to know and understand. Nobody knows it all. Ask the ask the dumb question, but don't be the one that keeps like harping on it. If it's been resolved or if, some, if an expert came in and said, no, that's not really a problem because of X, Y, and Z, and you trust that expert, then stop asking the same question. Um, number 25 in the list was learn how to speak without acronyms. Uh, yeah, well, it depends on your audience. You definitely need to be able to speak to your audience. So if you're dealing with management that is not technical or don't have a technical background, get away from acronyms and also even go as far as using analogies. I've got lots of analogies and I find them very helpful to understand or work through the stress or whatever it is of what it is that you're dealing with. If you start to use proprietary terms or acronyms or anything like that, you're just going to lose them. And IT is a lot to do with fear and uh, or concern or frustration. There's a lot of emotions in there so being able to speak english if you will 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 go a long way okay and then the last couple of points are actually related to it managers which i think it's fair to say you are as well you certainly have a team of techs so one of those is if you know the answer ask the right questions for someone else to get the solution don't just give them the answer so do you feel that's proper management technique for it So that goes back to the culture of learning that I was highlighting before. Yes. If somebody comes to me and says, Tristan, I I got this error and how do I get around that? And I know the answer, depending on the situation, if there is time for that person to learn, I will help them learn how to get there. So I'll say, well, did you test this? Did you look at that? Or what do you think it is or whatever? If something's on fire and we got to put it out right away, then I'll say, you know, here's the answer, go fix it. But I will often then still circle back with them and just say, did you understand why we did it this way? Did you understand why? that air came up. Otherwise, they're just going to come to you the next time that air pops up. And uh, and again, IT is not about memorizing errors and solutions. It's a lot about learning and troubleshooting and adapting to, uh, to the changing environment. So yeah, I, I think that's very important. This one was always give people more work than you think they can handle. I don't know. That's a fine line. I've seen good and bad from both of that. So I, yes, I would say, you know, make sure that say tickets or whatever it is, make sure they have a good workload to keep them busy. Make sure that there's always more tickets than maybe they can get through in a day. But there's a fine line to that. If you overwhelm them, uh, you'll burn them out or you'll have bad customer service. So, so there's a fine line, but um, but yeah, definitely go on the heavier side. I just want to highlight the sponsor again, Refbox. And Rob, thanks for, thanks for the questions about IT. And if there's any others that come up in the future, let me know. Yeah. We'll see everybody next week. Have a good day.